breaking the huddle and going the length of the field to set the stage for this weekend in the FCS, it's footballgameplan.com's FCS opening drive with Luke Diamond and Emery Hunt. Presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. What is going on, everybody? 10 o'clock here on this Friday afternoon, or Friday morning, I should say. August 19th, Luke Diamond with Emery Hunt, the czar of the playbook. We've been off for about a month. Emery, how you doing, man? I'm doing fine, man. It's been good to get back in here, talking some FCS football. I've been on the road a lot, man, so that's why we haven't been able to be here uh, live and direct every Friday at 10 a.m., like yeah. we normally are. You've been you've been all over the place, plus we switched services going from MTR to Messin Radio, so now we're on Messin Radio. You can check us out at MessinRadio.com. The app should be coming shortly. They were hoping by the end of the month, so hopefully by the end of the month, which would be perfect timing for the FCS season, which kicks off August 27th. And I saw you were in Canton, Ohio. I was so jealous. If we had our show the week before and I found out you were going, I definitely would have tried to sneak on that flight or <laughs> pack myself in your bag or something. Favorite coach of all time and favorite player of all time, Marvin Harrison, both getting inducted into the hall. So lucky to be there, man. That was awesome. I saw that on uh, Twitter and all that. Yeah, it was, it was cool. It was cool. It's just, you know, it's always a short trip for me when I go to Canton because of, uh, you know, you're there, you know, for the, for the, for the, Go jacket dinner, and you're there for the uh, press conferences. And after that, you know, you want to get back to your offices and, and start doing work for videos and stuff like that because otherwise, you just stand there watching the enshrinement just like you would on TV. There's nothing really you could do to cover it. So, yeah, man, that was that was awesome though. Seeing Marvin get inducted after all that controversy back in February with uh, between him and Owens, see him get in felt good. Especially last year, I felt like he got ripped off mm-hmm. with Andre Reed. I feel like he got ripped off the last couple of years, Tim Brown, but well, now, now I, I mean, Marvin Harrison is a Syracuse guy, and I, I use that to tie it back into FCS because the shirt I'm wearing today is from the Colgate Raiders. You know, shout out to Colgate Athletics for, and Colgate Football for providing the shirt. They open up against Syracuse on a Friday night at Syracuse. That's going to be a huge game uh, to help them kick off their season. That's a, that's a game that's going to – Probably be closer than a lot of people think. I think Colgate has a really good team. And in Syracuse, new coach Dino Babers is in our books, Football Love Story, and What Did Football Teach Me, as, as well as Coach Dan Hunt. So we have a little bit of personal ties with both Colgate and Syracuse now with, with those two head coaches um, facing off against each other on week one. And in relation to Hunt? No, no, no. He's my <laughs> distant cousin, though. Distant cousin. Oh, so there's a relation. <laughs> Probably so. <laughs> Somewhere down the line. Somewhere down the line. Somewhere down the line. So today we're talking all the different pro days and stuff you've been to, all different media days, excuse me, media days you've been to across the FCS. And then we're going to get in to the at-large bids, talk about the team's predictions, who will make the FCS playoffs next year, both at the at-large and uh, the teams that will be wild cards, so to, so to speak for the FCS this upcoming 2016 season. But uh, first off, some of the media days you've been to over the last couple of weeks, one of the one of the many reasons why we haven't been on the air for the last month. Yeah, I mean, I started out, it was funny because I made my way down 95. I started out at the NEC, uh, Northeast Conference, which was in the Meadowlands uh, at, uh, I want to say Giant Stadium, but it's MetLife Stadium. And, you know, it's a it was a great event. All of, all of these media days were great events. And just sitting with the coaches and, and talking with some of the players, I think the NEC uh, is getting stronger each and every year. And I think this year you may see four to five teams that have a legit shot to win the conference. I mean, we talk about Sacred Heart, uh, St. Francis, and, and Duquesne, and, and Central Connecticut State. 
um, all the teams that that have legitimate shots and, and strong rosters. So I think we're probably going to see the NEC come down to the wire uh, this year more so than what we've seen in recent years. And again, St. Francis and St. Sacred Heart look real strong. And they, I know that game is on uh, it's in October and they play at Sacred Heart, which is going to be a great game. I'll be in attendance there. Um, so just all, I mean, and Duquesne won the conference last year, I believe. So that's a that's a, a team that that is very strong. They had a, a they have a guy right now. I think he's with the Arizona Cardinals and Chris King, wide receiver, and virtually their whole team outside of Chris King returns. They have a football game plan preseason FCS All American and Kuntz, uh, the linebacker Christian Kuntz. So they're going to be a really good football team and, and fun team to watch. But I mean, just just a few takeaways from from there is is that everyone understands how good the the nec is and how depth uh, how deep it is as a conference and i think we we see we're going to see a lot more um, pro prospects come out there out that conference this year as opposed to last and, and former nfl player chris valerio is one of the coaches he actually coaches um i want to say coach st francis i'm sorry uh he's a head coach there and, and so it just adds to the the strength and the depth of the league so so, so what did you do you got in the car and you just went from media day to media day Pretty much, because after after the NEC, you know that was that was the first one. That was the early one. But my barnstorming media tour actually took place <laughs> uh, after I went to Baltimore um, to, for the CAA Media Day, uh, and then after that drove down to Norfolk, Virginia, for the MEAC Media Media Day. After that, came back up, uh, was at Giants practice for a couple of days, then went to the Patriot League, which was in um, Bethlehem, PA. So it was just a, a crazy tour going, you know, down the mid-Atlantic, up back, and, and was able just to see, a, a, you know, obviously different parts of the country, but just, just talked to a, a good bit of coaches. And, you know, one, here's the thing. What was great about it is that you talk to these coaches, and they have all seen our FCS kickoff videos, which is That's great. Awesome. You know, they, That's fantastic. and they will quickly remind you that, Hey, you picked our team to finish fourth, but yeah. <laughs> it's all, it's all jokes. It's all fun, but it was great to see these guys, you know, embrace the, the content and, and like the originality of what we're producing here uh, with the FCS kickoff and the FCS opening drive. But it was great to, to get down there and meet these coaches face to face. A lot of time I'm interacting with these guys via email, um, talking shop, sharing film, and uh, just to be able to put a face to, you know, put my face to their to, to their face and be able to, you know, physically introduce myself. And uh, now we have that, that connection is just great because these coaches, I mean, it, just starting with the CAA, I would say you talk about the tradition, the history, the, the talent, the depth of the league. I mean, Jesus, you just look at <laughs> how many good teams there are, um, you know, in the CAA, guys that – you know, we, we've known Delaware to be a powerhouse, uh, perennial powerhouse. But when you look at the uh, William and Mary tribe, I mean, they made the playoffs last year, but they hadn't been since 2010. And when you look at Jimmy Laycock, I mean, he has been there 37 years as the head coach. Oh, so right, it's like so, Jim Beheim level. <laughs> exactly, he's he is William and Mary. You know, and Andy Talley has been there 30 plus years as well, 25 years um, at Villanova, and this is his last season. So you got these great coaches, um, these historic programs. Rhode Island is, is an up-and-coming program. I think they're going to be fine. Maine has the youngest head coach uh, in college football at 31 years old. So does, wow. when I went down to Patriot League, so does Andrew Briner um, at, at Fordham, you know, right across the river. So 
you know, just to meet these guys and get to talk shop with these guys was great. And it, and down in the MEAC, I mean, what more can you say about a, a league that decided to take themselves out of the playoffs but go into a bowl game, um, the Celebration Bowl, and you talk about – we talk about the CAA when we talk about depth. The MEAC is even, you know, better. I mean, you look at, let's say, what, four or five teams – maybe six teams that have a legitimate shot to get to the Celebration Bowl this year. And I know they don't have an automatic bid to the FCS playoffs, but they do have enough talent to where one may sneak in and get that at-large bid. I know we'll talk about that later, but um, things could get interesting this year in the MEAC, and all those coaches are outstanding. you got some legends down there. And um, Buddy Pugh, the head coach for South Carolina State, you look at uh, outstanding head coach um, at uh, Florida A&M, all these guys' names just, just you know, slipped my mind. But there's there's a ton of tradition there uh, in the SWAC, in the MEAC, and just being able to get to the CAA, MEAC, and Patriot League, obviously another historic league where uh, we – Andy Andy Cohen, the coach for Lehigh, was another one was like, we watched a lot of your videos, you know, which was great. Uh, Bethune-Cookman's head coach, Terry Sims, was like, you know, I've seen your, your, your videos over the course of – four to five years so he has seen the progress so yeah, yeah. so they have <laughs> also five, seen yeah. right exactly so so they've also seen the, the the good content we put out but it was great to see these guys and 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 uh really put put a uh, name to the faces and stuff like that and really really interact and get to meet their players you know there's going to be a lot of pro players coming out the fcs this year and a lot of good pro players and you talk about bucknell's um julian davenport uh he may be a guy that's a top hundred guy you know, and got to talk to him. We got those interviews up on our website, but um, it was just a great time going up and down the, the you know I ninety five in Mid Atlantic area. When you talk about the MEAC, three teams last year seven and one in the MEAC, which definitely to me, when looking through all the standings of the mm-hmm. different leagues, definitely the tightest at the top. When you're talking about three teams all seven and one, which is and then a six and two team, I believe as well. Yeah, they 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 are notoriously known for four-way ties yeah <laughs> you know they, they have to come up with a better system uh, maybe they can get a, a championship game or something to really break those ties but they they have to stop that that's childish yeah, you know or at least five-way ties at least make sure everybody at the top is playing each other when well they are that's the thing one one yeah. one team they're going to the team and yeah, just you know let them play them, th- them twice instead yeah, of playing get, Howard, get it, the swag <laughs> does the swag has a championship game you know miak has to get on board with it but great conferences great commissioners uh, just great football all the way around Awesome stuff. And uh, also, you went to Monmouth? Went down to Monmouth for? For their media day, which was in conjunction with the practice, which was great. You know, it was hot as hell that day. I can I would, imagine. Yeah, it was about, and I wore all black. I was bugging out. I don't know why I wore all black. It was maybe 100 degrees out there. And they have a great staff from, I'm talking about from, you know, Greg and uh, Eddie, those guys in the in the department, to the coaching, Kevin Callahan outstanding coach he has been there since 1993 you know when they started the program back up so he has seen it from the ground up and he has a really strong team and 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 the thing about Monmouth is that the one thing that people don't get is that they run the football and they they utilize tight ends which means on the flip side your defense will be just as physical just as tough so no one really wants to face Monmouth and I think this year will be another strong year for them, for them. And it's going to be interesting because they only have three home games. They're breaking ground. Yeah, I heard they're creating a new stadium. On a new like stadium that. right next door. And it's going to be great, you know, because um, I think they've outgrown their stadium. They're in a beautiful location. Yeah, I know? just feel like Monmouth as a school is up and coming. You look at them basketball last year in the MAC, 
they, I think they lost a secret heart and that knocked them out of uh, right. the playing game. A lot of people, there was a lot of controversy over that. You look at some of the pros and you look across sports because you look at, I think, Miles Austin, right? Miles Austin. Mammoth, yep. You look, look Hakeem Bayless is, at, is in Arizona right now. If you look over on the baseball side, Brad Brock, all-star pitcher for the Orioles, he went to Mammoth. So Mammoth, I feel like collectively as a whole, is an up-and-coming school, just period, you know, across the board in all sports. Yeah. They're definitely, and like you said, new stadium coming, only three home games this year. So they are definitely building themselves up to be a you know more athletic powerhouse in New Jersey. Because when you look at last year in basketball, probably second best basketball team in the state behind C.N. Hall. And then I would say if they played Rutgers head to head, they would have beat Rutgers. They would have beat, you know, pretty much anybody probably but C.N. Hall, which is, you know, right, pretty good for a, for a basketball state. And who like would want to go to, to school for four years, four to five years down on the shore? I exactly. mean, that's, that's <laughs> illegal as far as, like, recruiting. I know. Like, you don't even need to move for spring break. You just that's why Miami stays good, you know. I mean, oh, yeah. you look at Bethune-Cookman. They're in Any of the Daytona schools. Beach. <laughs> if you're on the water, if you're on a beach or near the beach – you should ace recruiting every year. Yeah, I have, I have a friend, Kalani, that went down to Florida Atlantic. He showed me pictures, and then I looked it up online. The pictures of Florida Atlantic. Have you ever seen Florida Atlantic? It's just, it's incredible. The dorms are literally like on the beach. I was like, you know you're not doing any schoolwork. Exactly. You weren't going to do it any before, but now you know you're not going to. You are literally on the beach. Like The Florida campuses are beautiful. They don't even need to pitch you on anything. I mean, think about it. You look in, in terms of the, like, FCS, you got uh, – Fordham in Columbia in New York City. Um, Stony Brook is out on Long Island. It's training right away. Wagner right there in Staten Island. I think some people probably get, you know, uh, I think that's people probably get confused if they're not from this area. And you think Syracuse? Oh, yeah, yeah. New York City. Get You know, you nah. get Syracuse. Yeah, you're around nothing. You know, so. You're around nothing. Plus, you get that. Do you get the Buffalo snow in Syracuse? You do, right? I think so, yeah. Because you have the, the lakes there, and then the wind brings it over. Because I could, I would never. You don't see the, you don't. <laughs> Is that's why it's always tough to recruit at Syracuse. You don't yeah. see spring. Spring is winter, and winter is spring. They're one and the same. It helps in basketball when your coach has been there for 40 years. <laughs> right. It's tough in football. Even though when you look at Syracuse, you know what's crazy about Syracuse? When you look at their all-timers, they have some, they have some great all-timers. Because you look at Marvin Harrison, a top-five receiver of all time. You look at Jim Brown, a top-five running back of all time. John Mackey, a top-five uh, tight end of all time. And then you throw in Donovan McNabb, and you throw in Dwight Freeney. They have some, some Wait, really – Wait, Mackey went to Syracuse? Yeah, John Mackey I, went to I Syracuse. Did, I did not know that. Yeah, the two greatest 88s in Colts history, both <laughs> right. went to Syracuse. That's crazy. Right, isn't that – like when you put together an all-time NFL team for Syracuse, it's looking pretty good. You got Freeney, McNabb, Harrison, Mackey, Well, this is back Brown. when they had like, you know, like six – Six football playing colleges, you know. Yeah. Uh, you had Syracuse. Jim Brown didn't have many choices. Right. But. Syracuse, you probably had University of Chicago, um, <laughs> Miami, and then USC probably was the only West Coast school back in the day. But, <laughs> you know, but now they, that's, that's, that's impressive, you know. So, I mean, I, you know what's interesting? Um, you see a lot of, uh, and this is just probably for the Ivy League, you see a lot of greats come out that Obviously, back in the day, they were more known for football in addition to their uh, academics. But you see a lot of Hall of Famers coming from these Ivy League programs, a lot of Heisman winners and things like that. So, you know, a lot of people are, are not familiar. Now, a lot of people um, are not familiar with how deep the tradition is, um, not just at the HBCU level, but let's say just a, in particular a CAA program um, like William & Mary. Like you see a lot. You got Mike Tomlin coaching, you know, Steelers, William & Mary grad. Um, Darren Sharper, who is now serving all those years in prison for what yeah, he did, but right. William and Mary grad, uh, you know. So, but William and Mary has had a lot of pro players that people don't even know about, which is 
interesting. Again, if you can play, you can play. They'll they'll find you when they're yeah. looking. You know, especially nowadays with the amount of film and YouTube and all the different right. outlets to be able to find talent. I mean, and that then makes it tougher for the smaller schools to recruit as well, right. because the kids in your backyard are in California's backyard if they're playing in Jersey, because it's just it, the world has shrunk with with the internet and all these different things. And we're kind of, you know, we're kind of rambling now. So if you want to get into it, you want to get into the predictions for the automatic bids and the at-large bids across the FCS for your 2016 predictions. Yeah, why not? I mean, we we got we got a lot of time here. Um, the the thing is, and we got to preface this. This is. If you've watched our FCS kickoff preview videos, uh, you've seen our predictions for the conference, right? And so the automatic bid shouldn't be a, su a surprise because this is coming directly from the videos and who we picked to win the conference. It's the at-large bids that people are going to be hitting us up on Twitter and, and Facebook all upset about yeah. because how can you say this team? And So we're not going to surprise you with these, you know, these automatic birds. But these at-laws birds will draw some heat, to which any, is all good. Yeah, you know? to anybody complaining, bulletin board material, nothing better. I, I never like being picked. In high school, mm -hmm. when they had our basketball team finishing, you know, finishing 6th, 7th, 8th, whatever, in the county, we liked that. We, liked, we loved it. We put it up in the weight room, put it up in the gym. You know, it was bulletin board material. So I, I never understood that when people get mad at predictions. It's like, yeah. prove me wrong on the field, on the court, on the whatever. You know, go out there and prove me wrong. Yeah, it, I mean, you always see that when we put out All-American lists. People hit us up like, man. How could you leave so-and-so off the list? Like, hey, man, it's only a list. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, it means nothing. You know? Get off the internet. You know? Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you, you don't know. read it if it's going to make you upset. Like, what you want me to do? I don't know what to <laughs> tell you. Like, I, I can't help you with that. You know? So. But, you know, it's crazy. So, starting off in the Missouri Valley, this one should be no surprise. Five-time SCS defending champs. No Carson Wentz, though. Going second overall to the Philadelphia Eagles, but in the Missouri Valley, you still have this team uh, with the automatic bid, and that's North Dakota State. Yeah, you can't argue with – and here's the thing. It's a unique situation where with teams that have had great quarterback play, let's say, you know, you've had Brock Jensen, led him to, I think, three titles or two titles. You get Carson Wentz, and you did, he was an unknown coming into the 2014 season. Like, man, who is this – how are they going to continue this thing going with, without Brock Jensen? And in comes Carson Wentz, and they just go back-to-back -back with, with two titles. And so you, you can't say uh, Easton Stick is an unknown because Wentz missed eight games last year, and they had to play a freshman quarterback in Easton Stick. And Stick went 8-0 and in those games. And when Wentz was back healthy enough to play, which is ironically the championship game, he came back and they, they ended up winning their fifth straight. But so we've seen Easton Stick play. I mean – he put up similar numbers, if not better numbers, than Carson Wentz in his absence. So why should we expect North Dakota State to drop off? They got great offensive and defensive line play. They got a veteran quarterback. They got real live game reps. And that's a that's not coming in and playing, you know, mop-up duty. Yeah, no. They needed that's... him to win these games to get to the playoffs. and yeah. get to Because remember, when Carson Wentz went down, they were 5-2. and two. Easton Stick could have came in and that thing could have collapsed. They they went, went won eight games, won playoff games, and – so you have to expect them to go back and run through the Missouri Valley Conference once again. You have to go eight and zero. I mean, I know you have the second overall pick in the draft, but you know that's almost like that's almost like tough to bring them as back. a freshman. It's so yeah. hard to to you know gather your thoughts as a freshman and, and to go in there and play on that big of a stage with all that pressure. Yeah, you in have that four situation. national championships on your on on your back. You're, you're taking over for a guy who's a high pro prospect. 
to go eight and zero plus, like you said, they were they were five and two at the time. Five and two at the time. So they were five and two at the time. Had a couple of losses, and then to go eight and zero, bring them up to the national championship game. And then, man, imagine men going eight and zero, and then not being able to go out there for the championship game. How much that got to suck? The hunger he must be going oh, into this yeah, season right. with. So you, so you know he wants to prove oh, that. Man. Yeah. So that's another reason why they, they are not only just favorites to win the. Missouri Valley, but they are favorites to get back to Frisco, Texas again. Yeah, because you got to be happy you won the national championship. But man, I would be, I would be like, man, I just went. Just like Brock but, Osweiler, you know. It's yeah, like, you very know. similar. So I mean, I understand his pain, but that's why he's a sophomore now, and he gets a great opportunity to go in and, and compete in this one. And definitely a team that will be there, you know, at the end of the season once again. Looking at the SoCon and. Uh, you have Chattanooga, who won it. I believe they believe they won it last year. Uh, uh, Chattanooga was the team that won the conference last year, and they had. And here's the interesting part about Chattanooga, and I think they may actually be better this year than what we saw last year. Now, last year they had a, a very outstanding quarterback in Jacob Huseman, who was the coach's son, you know, and he's graduated now. He was a four-year starter, a three-year starter, put up crazy numbers. Um, defensively, Chattanooga is going to be a lot better, especially on the defensive line. You also look at, on offense, the guy they're coming in, you know, at quarterback is going to be better than Jacob Huseman because now they can throw the football vertically down the field. So Chattanooga is, is and we're going to release our preseason top 25 this week. Um, and I can't wait to see the comments, you know, underneath those videos. Yeah. <laughs> but Chattanooga is really up there. So to me, the SoCon is going to be real good this year. They may get four teams in and we'll, we'll, talk about that as we get to the that large qualifiers but uh they are the class of the socon in my opinion they were there's another conference that did have a two-way tie last year at the top and them getting the automatic bid right 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 and i mean here's the thing chattanooga is is they got a new defensive line coach in carrie bailey um and he's done great work uh at louisiana lafayette he's done great work at the university of Minnesota. yeah he, he actually yeah. was a coach of mine so that's i always got to give him props but he does a great job you know with uh, Louisiana Lafayette, Minnesota, Middle Tennessee, Middle Tennessee State. Um, Middle Tennessee State was the school that upset Michigan State in the uh, in the first round last year. The Blue year. Raiders, and and then you he was the head coach at Howard, and also now uh, at Lamar recently last year, and now at Chattanooga. He has great talent up front. Kenyatta Davis is going to be a, a pro player that's going to come out that Mox program. So yeah, they're they're real good at Chattanooga. And uh, moving on to the Southland, you have Sam Houston here, a team that went six and two last year. I think they finished. I don't think they finished the top, right? They were definitely one of the more middle nah. back. McNeese won the conference last year. Yeah, nine um, and and Sam Houston State is one of those teams that that you always can count in being in the playoffs. Uh, I don't know the last time they missed the playoffs. It's a really good program, no matter who's the head coach, but they got a great one. And Casey Keeler, who was the head coach for a long time at Delaware, um, he took a year off, became the head coach at Sam Houston State, and picked up right where he left off at Delaware. Got those guys balling out of control. They played two quarterbacks. One now transferred to Texas Antonio, Jared Johnson. They have another guy in there now that played a lot, Briscoe, um, and and he did well. And what they do is spread the field east and west. So they, they got a lot of speed going east and west. They're tough to match up against. And they have a really good defensive lineman in P.J. Hall, who is a, who's been a freshman All-American. So he's a junior now, and he has been a sophomore All-American. He's a two-time All-American and a preseason All-American this year. So 
they're going to be good again, and I think they can win the Southland now that McNeese is changing coaches. But McNeese is still good, but I think right now you have to give a slight edge to uh, Sam Houston State. Move on to the uh, Ohio Valley Conference. Jacksonville State, who won it last year at 8-0 and in conference play. Yeah, they, they, they should have knocked off Auburn in, in week one. Um, they really they went to overtime at Auburn and really had a chance to beat the, the Tigers. Uh and this was my preseason pick last year to get to the title game. I thought they were going to be great. Turned out I was right. Turned out I was wrong. Once they got into the game, I thought they would knock off North Dakota State. But the Bison just came through and, and ran through that defense. Now, granted, they lose a lot of those pieces defensively, but their offense is still intact. Um, they have a really good quarterback in Eli Jenkins. And I think Jacksonville State in the Ohio Valley Conference should not, I don't want to say easily because there's some good programs there, but I do think they should, shouldn't should have an issue getting the automatic bid. They blew the doors off Sam Houston State last year in the playoffs, 62-10. And I think, was it the final, was it was that, the Elite Eight game? I, I, I want to say it was it was in those games. And, and the good part about it is... Well, the final four. I think, I think it was the semifinal. When you have, and that's the issue, is like, you know, they can match up versus that speed and athleticism of Sam Houston State. So... You know, it posed a problem for them, and, and that's where uh, they had success. Now, that same speed and athleticism couldn't match up versus the power running game of North Dakota State. Moving on to the Pioneer, you have a school, Dayton, the Dayton Flyers. Is that the Dayton Flyers? The Dayton Flyers, man. Uh, known for their basketball, but in the Pioneer, you have uh, some great football. San Diego is always, always three teams. It's been San Diego, Dayton, and Jacksonville, so and Butler. Butler has been a, a real good team uh, in the Pioneer as well. But and every this was the first year that the the guy the, the team that won the conference actually got the automatic bid because the other teams that have won the conference have had uh, um, NCAA sanctions to where they didn't go and they always took the second place team, which was fine because the second place team was one of those four teams that I mentioned and they were just as good. But this year, this past year was the first time that the team that won the conference outright got the bid and that's that was Dayton and Dayton returns I want to say 19 to 20 starters so well right so I mean they lose an offensive lineman to a graduate transfer like their their top offensive lineman I think transferred to Oregon so you know now you have that issue but when you have 19 of 22 starters returning you're going to be very good again I think they win the pioneer by a smidge because again you can't count out San Diego and Jacksonville and Butler are still always in the mix. Yeah, Dayton and San Diego both going 7-1 last year in conference play. When you look at the Pioneer, it's funny that you were saying Dayton bas being a basketball school and being one of the Cinderella schools in the tournament. They actually have a couple of basketball schools. You have Butler basketball school. You have Davidson Curry school. You have Dayton. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's more of a basketball. The Pioneer is like kind of like a like one of those uh, like a 7-14 to 14 seed basketball school, it seems, uh, conference, it seems like. Moving on to the NEC where we got Sacred Heart, who finished third. They were one of, they're definitely one of the teams on the automatic bid list that didn't have the greatest season last year. Mm -hmm. But you definitely see big things for co them coming in this year, where they were only 3-3 three and three in conference play last year. Yeah, and, and, and here's the thing with, with Sacred Heart. I, I like how they're built. They're, they're built on the offensive line. They're built on the defensive line. And, and if you can control those two things in football, you're going to win a lot of games. But especially in this day and age in football, where teams love to spread the field, they're a little bit more physical than, than the average up front. Plus, they get they have one of the best linebackers in the country in James Rents, 
Um, he's a monster out there running from sideline to sideline, doing a lot of great things in coverage. And I do believe when he gets his opportunity to, to showcase his skills in front of the scouts, they're going to be impressed. They also have the returning quarterback in R.G. Noel. So they have good quarterback play. They keep good running backs. Their defense is top-notch. I think last year they dealt with a lot of injuries. Those guys are now healthy. And in this division, I think as teams take a slight step back, Sacred Heart will take a big leap forward, and I think they win the, the conference. As far as our list goes, they're the team that you do project to make the biggest leap right. out of I, all automatic I, big teams. Uh, exactly, because, again, when you when you lose, when you have guys and you're playing injured, but you're, it's a good thing because you may not win the games that year, but you're getting those guys valuable reps. So the following year, now you have depth, and I do think they're going to they're gonna have the depth and they also have the talent, not only in the in the trenches, but also in the backfield and in the secondary as well. Good stuff. Moving on to the Big South, a team that sees North Dakota State, the champs, week one on the 27th, and that is Charleston Southern, a team that went 6-0 and last year in conference play in the Big South. This was a team that has been, I would like to say, knocking at the door for like the last three years, and last year they finally kicked it in because no one outside of football game plan saw Charleston Southern you know, being a factor, You know, similar with the Citadel, who plays in the SoCon. One thing we know about Charleston Southern, they, they run a version of the option. Nobody wants to face the option. Their offensive line is quick, agile. They attack angles, and have, they have speed in the, in the backfield to really rip off those long runs. Defensively, they're quick, they're agile, just like their offensive line, and they're active. And I think they do a great job in just attacking teams downhill in, in, with their running game, and defensively, they can get off the field on third down. So it's going to be interesting in this first game against North Dakota State because they say styles make fights. So you have a power rushing team in North Dakota State. You have an option team in Charleston Southern that's a little bit lighter up front uh, on both sides of the ball. How can they overcome that uh, when North Dakota State is going to probably run the football 35, 40 times a game? The good part about Charleston Southern is that they're battle-tested in the sense that they've played. Uh, you know, Look at the Big South. They have Monmouth. Um, you have Liberty, very good, good team. Um, Kennesaw State ran ran the football a lot last year, so they've been battle tested. So we'll see how they do against North Dakota State, but I think they they'll win the Big South. They're a strong team again this year. Very good coaching, Jamie Chatwell uh, down there as well. Very interesting. Moving on to the Patriot, you have a Colgate shirt on, so that should give it away right there. But then again, you got the Fordham helmet <laughs> right there, and covering two, all bases here, <laughs> man. You know, really keeping everybody on their toes. But your two teams that finished very close together last year, Fordham. 5-1 and one in conference play, and Colgate 5-0 and oh in conference play. Why do you like Colgate over Fordham this year in the Patriots? Well, because I can trust Colgate's uh, defense. And they gave you that free shirt. And they gave me a free shirt. But Fordham <laughs> gave me a free shirt, too. So, And, oh. and by the way, if you're a school out there and you want some pub on our shows, <laughs> just send a free shirt. Just send a free shirt or a helmet. Um, but uh, all jokes aside, Colgate's defense is, is stout. And they didn't lose. They got, they got a great defensive line. Not a good one, a great one. Um, their secondary is active and can tackle, so they're good against the run. Offensively, they can control the tempo. And I did a game last year um, where they played. Uh, I was on the broadcast for the Colgate-Georgetown game last year, and just you just saw the, the athleticism that they have. And even though they're a power running team, they're an up-tempo power running team. They'll hurry up to the line and just run downhill. They don't care if they gain two yards, but at, eventually it's like those – body blows in, in boxing. They'll wear you, wear you down, and ultimately they'll knock you out. So I think defensively I can trust Colgate more than Fordham. Offensively, we know Fordham has the best back 
in 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 the uh, FCS and Chase Edmonds. We know they have an outstanding quarterback in Kevin Anderson. We know they can throw the football. They have a really good tight end. So defense, offense, it's a, it'll probably be a game difference between these two. I do think both teams will get into the playoffs, and we'll talk about that later. But as far as the conference, I have to give the nod to Colgate. And last but not least for the 10 automatic bids, that is the Big Sky Conference. Yeah, Big Sky Conference. Um, North Dakota, I think they have a real tough test in week one. Um, they play out here. They play Stony Brook week one and on a Thursday night, uh, September 1st, I believe, or Friday night, which would be huge because I think they have the best defense in the Big Sky this year. And that includes Montana. That includes uh, Northern Arizona. Um so I, I do think people underestimate what the Fighting Eagles bring to the table this year, and they have a really good running back in John Santiago, so they can run the ball, they can get off the field. Their defense was excellent. Their secondary is real good. So I think they'll win the big sky based off how balanced they are. And, and we don't want to leave out the CAA. Uh, Richmond is a team that I think will win the Colonial Athletic, and, and it's going to come down to Richmond. Uh, I have it right here. It's going to come down to – this was a very tough one for me because you have – Richmond, that's real good. You have William & Mary, who – William & Mary last year probably could have won the CAA, but they couldn't beat Richmond. They lost to Richmond in the regular season, and then they doubled down in the playoffs and lost to Richmond again. But you look at Towson is going to be good. Uh, James Madison is going to be good even without Vad Lee. Richmond is up there. So this is a strong conference, but I do think Richmond, the Spiders, uh, with all those starters they have returning – um, are, are real good themselves. Awesome. I'm, uh, my fault for leaving off the uh, CAA. No disrespect to them in Richmond. Now moving on to the at-large bids. And we'll be starting off with Mil William & Mary, a team you just mentioned from the CAA. Yeah, if they can beat Richmond, they can win the conference. And, and that's going to be – I'm pretty sure that's the biggest bugaboo. I, I know I wrote, wrote down the schedule uh, somewhere – I have it in the video, but I know they when that game takes place, it's going to take place late in October. That's a game they're going to be so focused on um, because here's what William & Mary does well. Run the ball, play good defense. William & Mary had, a, uh, I want to say they had two guys drafted last year, uh, one for the Bears and one for, I want to say, the Arizona Cardinals. So despite losing two NFL draft picks and a bunch of guys that are on NFL rosters right now, William & Mary is good up front. Steve Cluley, the quarterback, is a veteran guy. He's a senior. They have a really good running back in Kendall Anderson, who should be an NFL draftee as well. And defensively, they still return um, seven starters off a defense that was very tough to move the football against. They gave Virginia all they could handle last year. So William & Mary is a team that's going to be right there, and I think they're a shoe-in for in that large bid. Northern Iowa, a team out of the Missouri Valley. I believe they were 5-3 and three last year in conference play. Northern Iowa again in that large bid. Well, Northern Iowa was one of five Missouri Valley Conference teams to, to play in the playoffs last year. Um, and Northern Iowa was one of those teams like William & Mary. You know, they can beat North Dakota State. They've beaten them before. And, and so it's, a, it's not a matter of if they get into the playoffs. It's just where they're seated. So I think they have a really good chance to go far in the playoffs because they're strong defensively. Carter Schultz is a defensive lineman that's going to get a lot of pro looks. He may even get drafted. Uh, he's real good up front. Their quarterback is an interesting story. Aaron Bailey was the leading rusher on the team last year uh, with over 1,400 yards. Now, passing is where you want to see these guys, see him elevate his game. And, and, and I know I'm going to throw this comparison out there, but it makes sense if you, if you check him out. His game 
compares favorably to what Cordell Stewart was at Colorado. You know, you know, Colorado ran the option. They threw a little bit. And granted, he had two great options in, in Michael Westbrook on one end and Charles Johnson on the other end with Christian Fourier at tight end and Chris Naoli up front with Rashawn Slam in the backfield. But Northern Iowa uh, and Aaron Bailey is of the same kind. He's 6'2", 225, decent passer, good passer, not great, but decent, enough to he can help you win. But if he can take that next step, then he has a pro future as a quarterback. If not, we probably will see a position switch because he's that good of an athlete. Now, he's a former Illinois fighting Illini that transferred down to Northern Iowa, but he instantly makes that team a serious threat to get to Frisco. Portland State. Yeah, I like the Vikings. Um, Portland State, you know, a team that surprised a lot last year with how well they started. They got as high as, I want to say, sixth in the country. Um, very good program, you know, of recent uh of recent years and last year because of how well they play defense and how well they can uh, run the ball they're going to be back in the mix again now they've had a terrible spring as far as from tragedy is concerned they lost two players uh that that died you know mm-hmm. and so you know that could that can go either way it can be a rallying point or it could still be on your mind where you start to think about in totality like you know what's really important what's really serious but they have a great coaching staff and you know their coaching staff has done a great job in rallying these guys up. Those things happen in the spring, and they return a lot on both sides of the ball. Portland State is going to be a serious challenge to North Dakota. Uh, but I like the Vikings. I do think they'll get that at lar- an enlarged bid. Wow, that's crazy. And like you said, it could go both ways. You know, that could be a rally, you know, rally around and win it for them, or it could be a what right. really matters. Right. Football, football is not really important. You yeah, know? You've seen it go both ways before. Youngstown State. Yeah, and, and here's the thing about the Penguins. I think they're, they're a team that's, that no one is talking about right now. I think they're a big-time sleeper uh, in the uh, Missouri Valley Conference because you look at their offense. This is going to be second year in, in Bo Pelini's system. They get a great transfer. Um, I, I can't remember the kid's name, but he's an FBS transfer that's going to start for them, uh, which is huge. Their defense is great. Derek Rivers, a defensive end, is a pro prospect. The secondary is the best in the Missouri, in the Missouri Valley Conference, and they're they're real good on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Their secondary again has you look at a guy like um, oh my, why am I all over the place with these notes? But Leroy Alexander is the guy I wanted to mention. You know the cornerback out there in the secondary, so they're real good, and they have another former Raging Cajun coaching uh, alum there is in, in Brian Chris, who also coached Victor Cruz, who now plays for the New York Giants. So. I know they're getting well coached. I know their offense will be explosive defensively. They'll do a great job in applying pressure. This next team went 9-0 and in conference play last year, and you have Sam Houston beating them out this year in the Southland. Why is McNeese State not in a team getting an automatic bid? Why are they not at large? Well, because they are replacing their starting quarterback, Daniel Sams, a former Kansas State uh, transfer who put up some good numbers and moved the football very well offensively. They're replacing their head coach. Now, granted, they promoted from within, which is always great. So the continuity and familiarity is there. But I do think uh, defensively they're going to be great. They have a, a Texas A&M transfer as well on that defensive line in Isaiah Johnson. So I think that's going to be a big key for them. He played last year and was great. He was all-conference performer. So they are still they are still a very good football team. But – when you replace a quarterback and, you know, you, you still have some questions with the head coach, 
you know, how he's going to handle now that he's the, the head guy in charge. That's always a, a slight question mark, but he knows the players. He's been there. They shouldn't have a, that big of a transition, and um, there will be a, another factor in the FCS again. Staying in the Southland and another team, Lamar. Lamar, who went, I believe, 4-5 and five last year in conference. Play. See, here's the thing. There were two Southland Conference uh, playoff participants last year, and this year I have – as you can see, three. And, you know, that's a surprise to some because some may say, well, how can it be Lamar? But Lamar has been knocking on the door. They, if, if you remember, they restarted their program back in 2009 or 10, I believe. Um, so they've slowly built this thing back up in that, in that fertile recruiting ground area of Beaumont, Texas. And now they're loaded. Lawrence Hale was kicked off the team in the spring. He was the sack leader, I believe, in the in the nation. And they just put him back on the team. You know, coaches, they, they'll show some discipline. But at the end of the day, you got to win games. So Lawrence Hale is back on the team. He's a pro prospect. Omar Tebow, defensive lineman, is another pro prospect at defensive tackle. So he's back on the, he's on the team and is going to be productive again. Their offense has probably, I would say, the second best runner in college football in Cade Harrington, who ran for over 2,000 yards last year. And so he's back along with all those starters returning up front. Lamar is going to be very good this year, and I think that's going to surprise some people, but not us because I do think they'll get in that large bit. This next team, one of the places, one of your pit stops on your road trip, right? <laughs> Towson? Right. Towson, that's where we did the, uh, the, the USA football games. I was on the broadcast for those games, those three games in, in one day. You know, we started at nine and didn't get done till four. But mm-hmm. broadcast those three games, that's, that's a lot at Towson Stadium. Now, Towson is a team that, you know, you, you know coming in, Towson won't throw the football much. This year they may have a little bit of an advantage because they have a great running back in Darius Victor. Their defense is always great, especially at the defensive line level. And now they add a quarterback transfer from Oregon, which gives them the opportunity to throw the football downfield. So I think that balance – will help them out in the long run. I think this is a team that, again, it's like that North Dakota State, is like that um, uh, that Alabama-type team, that, that LSU squad that no one wants to face because they run the football like crazy, and that forces you to be physical up front. And if you can't be physical or match their physicality, you're not going to win. You're not going to want to compete against them. And they had, let's say, the last year, last year game I was at was uh, – they played Holy Cross, and they had Holy Cross beat if they were just able to complete one or two passes. Receiver kept dropping the football, and it was, they lost by two, I believe. So now you look at this year being able to throw the ball, being able to complete those passes makes Towson dangerous. This next team, I believe Adam Benatari School, South Dakota State. How many schools do we have from the Big South in the play? I feel like we have a couple of Big South. Oh, you mean from the Missouri Valley? Yes, my fault. Uh, we have four. four. You know, we got South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits. We have Youngstown State. Uh, we have five, actually. Five. And I, I knew there were Northern I Iowa, like we had a lot then, coming yeah, out of there. And, I mean, same same cast of characters. And these are the teams that Sands, uh, Western Illinois, South Dakota State made the playoffs last year. And this is another football team that has beaten North Dakota State. They're very good. They can run a the ball. Their defense is excellent. Um they run a two-quarterback system, and both quarterbacks are really good. So that's the interesting part with this year's team. I think overall, you know, they'll be sound once again. They'll win about eight games, 
enough to where they can get that at large bit because it seems like the the voting committee or the playoff committee favors the Missouri Valley Conference uh, as the SCC of the FCS. So they're, they're willing to give those teams that win or have winning records a little bit of leeway, which is why you saw Western Illinois get in last year with a 74 or 65 record over a team like Prairie View A&M who probably should have gotten in. With the automatic bids, we're talking about Sacred Heart being the team with the biggest jump. This team, Mercer, out of the Southern, 2-5 and five last year in conference play, you have them at with an at-large bid. Yeah, and here's the thing. Mercer, again, another new program, another upstart program. They started their program, I want to say, in 2013. So Coach Bobby Lamb has done a great job recruiting. They're in Macon, Georgia. So you have all those, you know, southern recruits there. So you're going to get good in a hurry. And they have gotten good in a hurry. Yeah, three La- years. <laughs> three years. They've gotten good real quick. And, and now so their team is senior Layton. So you have – you know, two good backs. Alex Lakes is a really good tailback out there. Um, you have good quarterback play, a senior at the at quarterback. Uh, I want to get his name right, but I know he's a he's a really good player and is a senior. So when you look at what he brings to the table, and they're out the John Russ is a quarterback at Mercer. So he's a senior. You have a bunch of seniors across the board. You're gonna get good, consistent play. You don't have to worry about freshmen. All these, all these seniors would have been transfers too, right? Because of 2013. No, they, they, this is year four, right? This right, is year 13, four. 14, 15, but it, when, when you start a new program, you, you're able to yeah. recruit and stockpile your roster. So they had that redshirt year. Yeah. So they've been there five years. Even though their first year was 2013, they were there in 2012. Yeah, so this is that year. This is that year that they're yeah. ready to, to, to push through. And they're a really good team because they run the ball and they, they don't make mistakes. And that's why they are going to be in contention. Uh, coming out this conference. Next team, we touched on them a couple times already with the whole Colgate-Fordham conversation, the shirt, the helmet, Fordham within that large bid. Kevin Anderson at quarterback, Faison Odom at tight end. You also look at Chase Edmonds, who's probably going to win the Walter Payton Award this year uh, at running back. Defensively, they're they're sound. They have Joe Klecko's son um, on the defensive line, who uh, Josh, che- Josh Klecko, who should be a pro prospect, uh, so they're good. And we know Briner is the new head coach. Yes, people will look at his age and him being 31. That doesn't matter. He can relate to the guys. Um, and he's been on the staff. And he's retained a good portion of that staff. So, again, just like with McNeese State, continuity is king. They have that at Fordham. They have talent. And they, they're going to put up a lot of points. They, they may upset a team or two out of conference uh, that is heavily favored, even an FBS opponent because they have that type of firepower on offense. Now, defensively is where you have some questions, but I do think this is a team that's going to win more, you know, their lion's share of games to secure an at-large bid. I feel like I have to be a little like biased towards all the teams I got friends on, because I got a friend on <laughs> Fordham, Keon Washington, backup tailback. So, uh, actually, uh, offensive lineman on, uh, on Colgate, too. Actually, he might, I think he graduated last year. Uh, Brandon Walsh, mm-hmm. he graduated, right? I don't know. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> that's <laughs> your friend. You don't <laughs> He's not my friend. He was just one of the. He was he was a senior when I was a freshman. Keon, I was actually friends with. Walsh, I, I didn't really I, I didn't really know. I just knew of him. You know, he was a couple years older than me. Moving on to uh, Arizona, Northern Arizona, Northern Arizona uh, finished the third last year at five and three in the uh, in the Big Sky. Well, they have one of the best quarterbacks in the country in Case Cookers, who was a freshman All American last year, and you know you you bring back that offense, that passing game, uh, in this conference. 
you know, the Big Sky is is one that is known to be a, a powerful conference. You know, Montana for years have been the team. Eastern Washington has been the team to beat Portland State last year and now North Dakota. So, I mean, you got all these good teams in the Big Sky. And I just think that when you have the best quarterback and also one of the best receivers and, and Brian Brown, I believe, um, you know, you're going to be very good. And they're, they're, Emmanuel Butler is a receiver there that they have. Uh, at Northern Arizona and Jacob Julian, the offensive lineman. So they're good offensively. I think their offense will carry them into the playoffs um, because they, they got snubbed last year. They were one of the teams that were also upset that uh, Western Illinois got in uh, at that with that record. They felt as though they deserved because of their play and also providing the fact that they had the Jerry Rice Award winner, which is the top freshman in the country in Case Cookers. Moving on, another team. I know a kid. Uh, he started a couple games last year as a freshman. Curtis Oliver, a cornerback, and I know they got a they got a big pro prospect on the other side of the uh, of the field, the cornerback position. That's James Madison. Yeah, Taylor Reynolds is an outstanding corner, and they've put together some some really good recruits there. And again, when you're bringing in a guy coming in from an option offense to this spread offense, and their head coach was the one I met down at at uh, the media day, and he coached at the Citadel. He coached at Mars Hill. He's familiar with the option. They run a spread, spread option at James Madison, the Dukes, um, and they're going to be explosive. Their linebackers are outstanding um, defensively. This is a team that that's going to be uh, one of those. You saw last year, even when uh, you lose a guy of the caliber of of uh, Vat Lee, who's now playing with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, to bring in another quarterback and have him have success is going to be it was big. They have Andrew Anker on, on, on defense. You also have Taylor Reynolds. Uh, we talked about the corner. Uh, so they're going to be good. And, and I think this is a football team you won't be able to keep out of the playoffs because not only because of pedigree, because I think they'll win like eight or nine games. So we have James Madison, Richmond, William & Mary, Towson. The next team on the list, New Hampshire, another team. So we have, what is that, five teams from the CAA. Yeah, it's hard to keep those. It was hard to keep these teams out because it was hard to pick who's going to win the conference. And New Hampshire hasn't missed the playoffs, I want to say, since – 2000 maybe 2001 was oh. the last time so they are the playoffs you know yeah. put it that way so it's hard to discount their tradition and, and their their level of success so and they haven't had a losing season in a while i, I believe and they get a new stadium which is great um and they they have really good secondary play casey deandre is an all-american a uh, two-time all-american um, and he's also an outstanding retirman as well. So you're going to see him uh, be on a lot of NFL draft boards come April. So they're good. They're going. They're well coached. They're one of the more consistent teams, no matter who's back there at quarterback. They have a really good tight end and Jordan Powell. Um, so they're going to be good regardless. They may be the team that gets in like a Western Illinois got in last year, maybe a seven and four, six and five record, but enough quality wins to get into the playoffs especially when you look at a conference that's that top heavy and you have right. five six teams all and you beat beating one each of other them. up right. yeah if, if you win one or two of those games almost everybody gets in if everybody right that's a quality tied. win you know as well as three teams six and two and three teams five and three all in the same conference last right. year it just shows just the parity and how you know across the board even they all are there no, uh, last but not least, 24th team that we got in the playoffs, Eastern Washington, another big sky school. What do you like about Eastern Washington? Well, their, their quarterback, Jordan West, is, is outstanding, and he has the best receiver in the country in Cooper Cup, who's probably going to be a senior bowl invite. And when you like 
Cooper Cup is that he can play outside or inside it. And uh, so they move him around, and he's going to be great, and we know that. And their defense is where you have some question marks because, you know, they're known, they're known for the back seven play. You know, they, they've always had – I mean, Tevin Washington was a UCLA transfer a couple of years ago, a couple of years ago, and, um, you know, they've always had good play in the secondary and that linebacker. Now those are question marks. So, you know, how great can they be defensively? But this is why – it's a it's an interesting one that I went with Eastern Washington because they may get in, but here's where it's going to get tricky, and this is where the comments are going to blow up on social <laughs> media because I think this year in particular the MEAC is going to be good enough once again to get a team in the at large. I mean, when you look at the MEAC top to bottom, North Carolina A and T is going to be great, so they're going to they're going to win the conference, I believe, and they're going to go to the Celebration Bowl. And last year, you had a couple of teams. I mean, North Carolina Central was a team that thought they beat North Carolina A&T in the last game of the season. So they were all packed up and ready to go to the Celebration Bowl, and it came down to a vote, and they lost. So if they beat the team that went to the Celebration Bowl, why didn't they go to, you know, but uh, I think North Carolina Central is going to be great as well. But there's only one MEAC team that can get to the Celebration Bowl. So I think, by and large, North Carolina Central that returns 18 starters, they're going to probably have enough quality wins to make that last spot interesting. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I do think they're going to get a serious, serious look, whether it's North Carolina Central, whether it's the Citadel, you know, who uh, who's, who looks great as well. I think the Citadel returns – 20 starters so those two teams there's like five teams that can make a case for that last spot now granted the SWAC and MEAC will not likely get um in that large bit although they should because if you look at it Grambling I think is going to be a uh, Grambling and Alabama State are going to play each other for the SWAC championship uh, which takes place the first weekend I believe of the playoffs so obviously those two teams can't go but i do think like last year prairie view was 10 and 1 or 9 and 1 or something like that and got snubbed and they had quality wins um so i think you look at prairie view you look at bethune cookman you look at north carolina central you look at the citadel those to even monmouth you know is rare that you see two big south teams get in but i think those teams will be in play for that last playoff spot it's going to be interesting to see how many quality teams get left out, which is why I do think the FCS also needs bowl games as well. Yeah, that would, that would be interesting if they did bowl games. I actually, before we started the show and before I started looking at the FCS, I didn't even know. I thought I just figured they did have their own variation of bowl games. I kind of like this playoffs format yeah, better, though. Yeah, it, it determines the real champion. You know, yeah, it, I wish everybody did this, but, you know, because <laughs> with the controversy that we have in December. When it comes to FBS, is insane. And the one team uh, that we did have on the list that you didn't mention, Harvard, also yeah, because in the mix. Here's the thing with the Ivy League, and, and, and they have historically declined playoff invites. You know, but what I noticed last year, and, and this, is, this is what happens when you do something first. People start to watch. People get intrigued. And some people want to copy. Some people want to mimic. Some people want a piece of that. And I think what happened last year with the Ivy League, they kind of looked at that celebration bowl. It's like, wait a minute. They have a bowl game. It's on ABC. It was the first bowl game of the year. And it outdrew, I want to say, 12 other bowl games that obviously featured FBS opponents. So it's like, wait a minute. We have a great brand. 
we have great teams. Harvard was out. Harvard probably could have gotten to the Elite Eight last year in football with their team. I mean, you how many draft picks you've seen come out of Harvard the last three years? So Harvard was a good team last year. Dartmouth was a good team last year. Uh, Penn was a good team last year. And Penn is a great team this year. I think they actually will win the Ivy. So if you're the Ivy League, you're sitting there, you're like, hey, maybe we can have our champion. Hey, you know, maybe we can change things that we don't always have to be tied to this tradition that we started back in the 40s. We can say, you know what? Go to the bowl, go to the playoffs because they this would have this. Would, I said all that to say this. They saw the celebration bowl last year and, and started to float out the idea of maybe, hey, maybe we can have a bowl game where we can play against a lower level FBS team. That's how good the Ivy League has gotten. They're willing to, to bypass the playoffs, but also play an FBS squad. You know, they say maybe a bowl game down in Florida. So they're willing to it shows that they're willing to, to bend on their strict rule of no postseason play for football. Everybody else gets to go to the playoffs and compete. You know, baseball, basketball, track, all that. But I think last year's Celebration Bowl will make things interesting if they have a team sitting there at the Ivy League at the end of the season at 10-0 and 0, uh, or 9-10-0 or 9-0 and, and like, wait a minute. Let's see if we can really compete because Harvard's going to be there. Penn's going to be there. And uh, you, could, you could look at Yale and also Dartmouth. They're going to be in the mix as well. So they just never – they sent a team last year for the first time to the Celebration Bowl, but they never – No, no, no. That, that was a, that oh, was that's the tradition. The SWAC and MEAC. Oh, Ivy yeah. League hadn't sent nobody to the – they used So to they go, just end their season? Yeah, just, they just play – they just end their season. What's the point? The Ivy League champion. That's Whoever's the Ivy League champion, that's, that's their season. So whoever had the best regular season conference record, they just – They be, just crowned the Ivy League championship. And that's it? I don't like that. Yeah, <laughs> nobody – even if you talk to the coaches, the coaches will tell you – that they want the uh, – Ivy League should be smarter than that. You would think, right? <laughs> the Ivy League students. That's crazy. I don't – it doesn't make any sense to me, like, why they would why they would do this that. This is why the coaches are upset with it. It's like, wait a minute. We have a team. Harvard went undefeated one year and was real good. I mean, just look at last year. Harvard had the best quarterback that won the uh, Bushnell Cup, which is the offensive and defensive player of the year. Um, they had – Guys going to the NFL draft. Cole Toner plays for the Arizona Cardinals. Ben Broniker plays for the Bears. Uh, last year was on that team. Uh, Ferkser, the receiver, was was outstanding. And you talk about the year before. They had Hodges, the defensive end. They had uh, the guy that now plays for the Ravens and uh, Kyle Juszczyk. So they have pro talent every year. And they're, they're strong. They're blowing teams out. And they don't compete for the title. How we? How can you sit and and just as a competitor, you're yeah. upset about that. You are like, man, you're we want to know how good we are. <laughs> you, know, you know, why are they allowed to play and we're not allowed to play? It doesn't make. It oh, doesn't and, and they say the interference with our, uh, uh, I want to say exams or something like yeah, that. Like which is some BS, like which that. can be moved. You know, I mean, these guys again. I don't they, know. <laughs> they could they could adjust that if they wanted to, but. I think this year they're going to – they may not change it, and I'm totally just speaking out tongue-in-cheek here, but those comments last year of, wow, this Celebration Bowl is a great thing. Maybe we can get a bowl game playing against an FBS team. I think that shows a little weakening in their position. Like, you know what? We might want to send our team to the playoffs because we see how much pub and publicity and money, yeah. most importantly, <laughs> that these two teams got for playing in this bowl game. <laughs> I think the payout was a million dollars each well. for, for, for the MEAC and the SWAC. 
So if you're the Ivy League, you're like, hey, we could probably have our cake and eat it too. We probably don't want to compete in the playoffs, but we probably want a bowl game. But maybe we can compete in the playoffs. I think it'll be interesting to see if one of those teams get undefeated and how they change this philosophy. It will be. And this is a tradition that's gone on since the 40s? Yeah, since I, I would say the last bowl game they played in was in the – I don't know if it was the Rose Bowl was, or, or what, but um, I think they stopped going to the postseason once the Ivy League <clears> – <throat> itself was formed which was like in the 60s i think oh so this has been going on from somewhere between 40 to 60 to 80 years somewhere between like 60 to 80 years probably i would say between 50 years somewhere right. within so it's been going years. on for 50 years and the czar just predicted it right now on august 18th 19th so if this comes money true talks. money talks money man. does talk money talks exams don't talk i can't i mean i couldn't even imagine that would that would make me not want to go like I would ever get into an Ivy League school, but that would make me not want to go there. I'd be like, there's no way I'm not participating in the playoffs at 9-0 or 10-0 or whatever. But uh, we'll be back next week. It's 11 o'clock. We'll be back next week, right? You have nowhere else to be, no Hall of Fame it, inductions that, 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 or pro. That, that changes. That changes. That changes every week. I may, <laughs> you know what? I may be at a, a preseason game like next week. You never know. But yeah. uh, but not during the time we're, we're filming. So we'll be back next week. All right, cool. So we will be back next week. Uh, so we'll be, a week from today would be the 26th. And it would be the uh, the FCS kickoff eve, if you will, with right. uh, with North Dakota State taking on Charleston Southern on the 27th. And we'll so, be talking uh, about our uh, preseason top 25, and we'll also break down that game between Charleston Southern and North Dakota State. Awesome. Good stuff. Can't wait for that. Uh, another good show with the czar from the playbook, Emery Hunt. And uh, we will be back next week, same time, right here on Mess and Radio. App should be up next week, so hopefully it is. We'll tweet it out, Facebook, you know, Twitter, all that good stuff. And we'll try to get it out there so you guys could download the Mess and Radio app, which should be up on iTunes and all the different app downloading sites. And uh, we'll be back next week, 10 a.m., right here on Mess and Radio. Breaking the hub going the length of the field to set the stage for this weekend in the FCS, it's footballgameplan.com's FCS opening drive with Luke Diamond and Emery Hunt. Presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting.